Proverbs 19.22 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So as we are going through Genesis here, God had made a promise to Abraham to bless all people on earth. And as this promise makes its way from Abraham to Isaac and now to Esau and Jacob, in this chapter, we we come upon a troubling problem with Jacob deceiving his father Isaac in order to get his brother Esau's blessing. And as we read it, it's, it's, I mean, I ask myself, is God promoting sin and deceit? And, And why is a liar being blessed? We know in Romans 8, it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And as a church, we may feel like the world is winning. We may feel like our families are losing. I don't know how you feel. Television, magazines, movies, music are getting more and more crude. Every time I turn on the television, it's like, whoa, like I thought this was rated G, right? G is now PG, PG is now PG-13, PG-13 is now R, right? R is like off the charts, you can't even watch R anymore. Cursing is now the norm. I hear amongst millennials, that's the thing that you're supposed to do, you're supposed to curse. Politicians are cursing. There are preachers that are cursing now to somehow relate to the millennials. That won't be happening this morning. (laughs) Christianity is is being overshadowed in the earth right now. In fact, in the next 50 years, Islam is expected to surpass Christianity as the world's largest religious group. In my opinion, not because of the strength of the teaching, but it is mostly because their birth rates are higher. They have more children. But if that causes you any fear or alarm, steady as she goes, God is able to work good out of evil. He's able to make lemonade out of lemons. And he's even able to use our sin to bring about a blessing. And that's what we're going to learn about this morning. Please pray with me before we read. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we come to you this morning. We come to you through his blood that was shed for us on the cross. We come to you through the forgiveness that comes by his sacrifice. We come to you by the love that we know that you have for us, not the love that we have for you. God, we simply come to you because you're great, because you're powerful, because you're awesome, because you transcend even our sin. Even the wickedness of humanity, Father, you rise above and your purposes prevail. We pray this morning, Father, that as we read the story of Jacob and Esau and Isaac and Rebekah, that we would see just that, that you are greater than we are, that you are greater than our sin and that your plans and your purposes prevail in our lives regardless of what we try to do. Let us all stand in awe of who you are and your power and strength. Again, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so the title of the lesson this morning is God's Plans Prevail. God's Plans Prevail. Read with me here in Genesis 27, verses 1 through 5. 
It says, when Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I'm now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Well, just verses one to four. I'm sorry. Let me just stop right there. And this passage that we're going to read uh, this morning, there's not a whole lot of good in it. Okay. As a matter of fact, it's pretty much all bad, except for the blessing when uh, Jacob receives that. And there's four main characters here. One is Isaac. The other is Rebecca. The other is obviously Jacob and then Esau as well. And so what I'm going to do this morning is go through these four characters and we're going to look at their sin. And then I'm going to end up and finish out with how God's sovereign plans and will are accomplished in the end. And so point number one is simply Isaac's blindness. Isaac's blindness. Here as we read, um, Isaac is blind. He's seemingly near death. Um, How old was he? Well, he was probably anywhere between uh, 100 to 160 years old at this point in his life. Uh, the Bible says that, that Jacob had spent 20 years with Laban before he came back to Isaac, and Isaac died at 180, so uh, he definitely couldn't have been any more than 160 years old. And Isaac's death seems imminent just by the way that he's talking, right, and the way that it's written. He says, um, I, now I'm an old man and I don't know the day of my death. Maybe uh, the blindness that he had made him uh, question how many more years he had left on this earth. I know me when I get out of the bed in the morning and it's like my bones pop and crack a lot more than they used to. I'm like, whoa, what is going on? Like I'm walking downstairs and my knees are starting to hurt. I'm like, this isn't supposed to happen. Am I going to die pretty soon? Maybe, maybe that's what was happening to Isaac as well. He was blinded and he felt like he was about to die. But as he says this, what's up for grabs here is the patriarchal blessing as he approaches the end of his life. This blessing would have transferred leadership in the family from Isaac to whomever he gave it to. And the leadership of this family would have been, uh, the leader would have been the one who handled the family business. The leader would have been the one who was the spokesperson for the family. And as you go through the passage, the big question is, who's going to get the birthright? Will it be Esau Or will it be Jacob? Isaac's sin here is blindness. As the story plays out, we see that Isaac is blind in more ways than one. He's blind physically, but he's also blind spiritually. And and the reason why I say that is because he's trying to give Esau the blessing, even though in Genesis 25, God spoke directly to Rebekah and told her that the older is going to serve the younger. But Esau is still trying to give the blessing to the older. Not only that, Esau had already despised his birthright because of his stomach. And on top of that, in uh, just one verse before Genesis 26, 34, it says when Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Beeri the Hittite, and also Basimath, daughter of Elon the Hittite. They were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. They weren't supposed to be marrying any of the ites. 
They were supposed to go home to Mesopotamia and, and marry descendants of Terah, Abraham's father. And so because of these three things, Esau was disqualified from inheriting the blessing, yet Isaac still was trying to give it to him. On top of that, he knew his wife Rebecca was against it. Now, why are you trying to do that? You know, good and well, your wife does not like what you're going to do. And you're still trying to do it. He's just asking for trouble. (laughs) The thing is, is that Esau was Isaac's favorite. Esau was Isaac's favorite and he wanted to give him the blessing anyway. So he comes up with this way to not only indulge his own stomach, but to give the blessing to Esau in a very private one-on-one setting. Normally these things were done publicly. You'd have a big party, you'd invite all of your family, and, and then you'd have like a, a formal ceremony where you're passing on the blessing from you know the, the, the patriarch to the next person that was going to have it. But no, 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 he knows that, hey, I'm trying to do this on the down low, I'm trying to be slick. So he's like, hey, Esau, psst, hey, hey, um, can you make me some of that good food you eat, man? I like that stuff. And bring it on back into the tent, and then I'm going to give you my blessing. Knowing that he wasn't supposed to do it, right? So he's in sin. It's interesting that he passes his weakness for food on to his son Esau. And his sinful favoritism for Esau caused him to miss the obvious signs that Esau was not the one. Now later in the story, he would dismiss even more clear cues that he was being deceived. But sometimes we can uh, want something so bad that we lose good judgment and we make bad decisions and we find ourselves in sin. Have you ever been there before? Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, right? And so I won't even ask, is there anything blinding you right now? Because if there were something, you wouldn't know it anyway because you're blind, right? <laughs> we need someone to show us that we're blind. And that's exactly what God does later on in the chapter. But let me move on to the second person, the second character, which is Rebecca. In Genesis chapter 27, now in verse 5, it says, Now Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah's mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house. And put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. Second point is Rebecca's lack of trust. You could advance my slides for me, please. Thank you. Rebecca's lack of trust. So Rebecca, she's uh, kind of sitting there at the 
the, the flap of the tent and she hears Esau or Isaac call Esau in and she decides to eavesdrop a little bit and she overhears this plan and she comes up with her own plan. She takes advantage of Isaac's blindness and comes up with the plan for Jacob to lie to Isaac and get the blessing instead of Esau. Now, what was her motivation? Was she uh, just innocently saving history, innocently saving um, mankind by rescuing the blessing of God from her blind husband and her hairy son? No. Was she uh, the heroine of the story like Rahab and, and deceiving for a righteous cause? While some do say that this is the case, and maybe that partially motivated her, I don't think that her motives were so pure. Remember the Hittite women that Esau had married and were causing Rebecca grief. And then in Genesis chapter 27, verse 46, it says, Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. And so as the matriarch, she didn't like the idea at all of these tramps coming in and contaminating her family line. I think that was her big motivation. The other motive that she most certainly had was out of Esau and Jacob. Jacob was her favorite. And so we, have, we find the parents here showing favoritism amongst their children. But I think her root sin is not trusting the Lord. The Lord had already personally told her years ago that the older would serve the younger. She didn't trust that God was, was sovereign and that he would work it out. And she took matters into her own hands. And so as we continue to read through this story, we see now dysfunction in the family of Isaac and Rebekah. This family doesn't trust each other. Isaac doesn't trust Rebekah. He doesn't want to do what she wants to do. He doesn't even want to talk about it with her. Rebekah doesn't trust Isaac. She goes behind his back and comes up with her own plan. We know that Esau and Jacob don't trust each other. There's a lot of mistrust going on in this family, a lot of deception. And unfortunately, I believe that it stems from Isaac and it stems from Rebekah. And this favoritism that they're showing with their children. Parents, if you have more than one child, show equal love to your children. Don't play favorites. The kids pick up on it. I mean, Leslie and I, we don't even have, I mean, we love both Brooke and Anthony the same. But as they were younger, not now because they're a lot older and they're a lot more mature. But when they were younger, it was always, well, why did this one get and I didn't get you got this for him, but you didn't get it for me. You love him more than me. I mean, back and forth, like all the time we had to emphasize and re-emphasize over and over and over. We love both of you the same, and we still do. Amen. <laughs> but she wanted her favorite son to get that blessing. She was so invested in it that she was willing to invite a curse upon herself. And she kind of did. Because it didn't end well for Rebecca. Because of her lack of trust in God, because of her playing favorites, because of her disgust for the Hittite women, Rebecca deceives her husband. Rebecca leads her son Jacob into sin. 
She breaks her other son Esau's heart in the process. She turns her children against each other. She causes her favorite son Jacob to be exiled for 20 years because after this he goes on the run and he's with Laban for 20 years. And presumably she dies before he even comes back. And so she doesn't even get to see her son take the leadership of the family. Instead, for those 20 years while Jacob is gone, guess who's leading the family? Esau, the one that she didn't want to lead the family. And she sees Esau's leadership until the day that she dies. She's never mentioned positively in the rest of Scripture. Her death isn't even commemorated. The Bible records when her nurse, Deborah, dies. And there's like a tree named after her nurse, Deborah. But Rebecca, no commemoration for her death and no record of her death. Think like Rebecca out of fear and frustration. We can try to take things in our own hands instead of trusting God and letting him work. The third one is Jacob. Jacob's lies. Genesis chapter 27, now in verse 18, he went to his father and said, my father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord, your God gave me success, he replied. Wow. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son. To know whether you are really my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. And so from the beginning, Jacob seems to have some concerns about Rebecca's plan, but his concerns are about really about getting caught, not really about the plan itself. 2711, Jacob said to, his, said to Rebecca's mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. He's worried about getting caught. He should have been saying, Mom, this is wrong. No, I'm not going to do this. Instead, he's kind of like, well, I mean, I'm all I'm down for getting the blessing. But hey, how are we going to work this out so that I don't get caught stealing the blessing? Do you see what I'm saying? And once Rebecca removes his uh, fear of penalty for getting caught, he's all in for the scheme. He gets dressed in his brother's clothes. She puts the goat skin on his arms and on the back of his neck. I don't know how she did that. She like tied on with string or was that super glue? Or I mean, like, what is it that she used? I don't know. 
but he gets all dressed up and then she sends him right on in. And the lies and the deception start immediately. Verse 18. Who is it? I'm Esau, your firstborn. Verse 20. How'd you find it so quickly? Like, man, I just sent you out. The Lord your God gave me success. Like, whoa, that's like blasphemy at this point, right? Like, how dare you attach God to your lie? And in other parts of the Bible, you would almost expect him to just fall down dead at this point, right? But he keeps right on trucking. One lie needs to, leads to the next lie. And you know how we all are. The more you lie, is the easier it is to lie some more. And so he says, let me touch you. He's like, okay, I'll bend on down and put out my hand. And he's feeling him and he feels the goat skin deceiving all the while. And the verse 24, are you really my son Esau? I am. What a liar. But here again, we see that Isaac seemed to have some reservations, right? I mean, all the while he's kind of testing, like, really? Is it you? Let me smell you. Let me touch you. Let me hear your voice, right? It seemed like his gut was telling him something just ain't right. You ever had that feeling before that this this just ain't right? Like maybe before you were going to buy something, you're like, ah, I don't know if I should buy this. It might cost too much or, you know, they're going to hoodwink me. They're going to swindle me. There's no money back guarantee or, you know, whatever it is, you know, something off of an infomercial or telemarketer timeshare. I don't know what it is, but sometimes you just kind of know in your gut this just isn't right. But when you want the thing bad enough, you don't listen to your gut, do you? And that's what happened to Isaac here. He knew it wasn't right, but he wanted Esau to have that blessing. So he just pushed right on through. Verse 27, Jacob ends up passing the smell test, literally. Isaac catches the smell of his clothes. He smells like his son Esau. And Isaac gives him the blessing. Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field. Now that's that's a good thing in Bible speak, okay? We wouldn't say that today. Like, I wouldn't say that to Anthony. Oh, my son, you, you smell like a field, right? That's not like a good thing to say now. But back then, that was a good thing. A field that the Lord is blessed. And so Isaac promises Jacob richness when it comes to his crops, when it comes to his harvest, which was big back then. Nations serve you. Peoples bow down to you. Power, authority will be given to him. And then kind of an underhanded cut. The sons of your mother will bow down to you. Not knowing that he's talking to Jacob. Thinking he was talking to Esau. That Jacob would bow down to him. But in reality, it's the exact opposite. And then he follows on with Abraham's promise. May those who curse you be cursed. And those who bless you be blessed. And so we read this and we think, so do I celebrate or do I get indignant? Is this right or is this wrong? If I celebrate, I applaud a blessing taken by deceit. If I'm filled with indignation, I reject God's plan for the older to serve the younger. And so it leaves us kind of, wow, confused and in the dark. 
There we go. We got emergency generators around here. It's all right. We're all back online. Computers will come back up. Slides will come back up. Microphone will kick back in, I'm sure, here at any point. But as we go through this, we, we, do, we are put in a, in a, in a place of, uh, what do they call it, cognitive dissonance, where we don't know kind of which way to go, and we're left with kind of a, a puzzle about God. Where does God stand on this particular issue? Let me close out here with Esau. And the title of this is Esau's Godlessness. Beginning in verse 30, it says, After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I'm your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud cry, a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me too, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taking my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I've made him Lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants. And I've sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. And so we tend to identify with Esau, I believe, because of the injustice. He begs for the blessing, but he gets an anti-blessing instead. And so we tend to empathize with him because he's been tricked. He's been treated unfairly. But we shouldn't identify with Esau. God informs us of Esau's nature in Hebrews chapter 12. In verse 16, it says, See to it that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. There is a point of no return. There is a time when it is too late 
to turn around and make things right. And no amount of weeping or tears or crying will change it. Tears are no evidence of a change of heart. Esau's tears were not tears of remorse. They weren't tears of brokenness. They weren't tears of repentance. They were tears of frustrated self-pity from a godless man. But it was too late. And this is evidence as his true heart is revealed when he follows the path of Cain. He nurses a grudge against his brother and he plans to kill him. Don't be like Esau and wait too long. Don't give up an eternal blessing for the short-term pleasure of a single meal. Repent. Turn to God before it's too late and you are rejected. I encourage us to make a decision to open the Bible with whomever brought you this morning and learn how to inherit a blessing through Jesus Christ. And so as we go through these four characters, how can anything good come from this? And their sin is not the point of this passage, even though their sin is the vast majority of this passage. The real point is God and how his plans are not derailed by man's sin. It's about how he's able to make all things work together for the good, even though Isaac is blind Rebecca doesn't trust, Jacob lies, and Esau is godless. God is still able to see through all of their mess to accomplish his plans and bless all people on earth through Abraham. Their sin didn't stop him from doing exactly what he had promised. He had made a sovereign choice before the boys were even born that the older would serve the younger, and that's exactly what would happen God can use even human sin and deception to accomplish his plans to redeem mankind. Think about it. What if our sin was actually able to knock God off course? Like, how off course would he be? Like, he would be hopelessly off course. But even though we sin, even though men sin, God has a a higher plan, a higher priority, a, a higher power. He's sovereign. He's able to do what he wants to do. And he's able to mix all of our sin together and somehow, some way, make it work out to where everything comes out right. Don't we have an awesome God? He's amazing. And I don't know if if you've ever felt like, you know what, I'm so messed up that somehow God cannot use me. Somehow uh, my family is so messed up. God cannot use us. Look at us. Well, their family was the same way, messed up. God was still able to pass along the blessing through their family. The blessing did ultimately come down to Jesus Christ. Their sin didn't stop anything. Esau's sin and Isaac's sin and Rebekah's sin and Jacob's sin. It didn't stop God's plan from doing exactly what he wanted it to do. The Messiah was still born through the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's still the same way for us today. We may sin. Our families may mess up. And I'm not advocating sin, and I don't think God is advocating sin. 
But I'm lifting God up and I'm trying to show us this morning that God is greater than your sin. He's more powerful than your sin. And he's able to use even our sin for something good. Judas deceived and betrayed Jesus with a kiss that didn't derail God's plan. The chief priest brought false witnesses against Jesus. That was okay. It was God's plan that Jesus be sacrificed. Pilate deceived and said that he was innocent of Jesus' blood. But that's okay. God uses all of this sin to bless. Jesus died and he rose again according to God's plan of salvation. According to his plan of blessing for us. Our sin will not stop God. He's got a plan to bless all people on earth. He's got a plan to bring the message of Jesus Christ all around the world. And he wants to use us, sinful people, to do it. How's that going to happen? We're just going to keep on trucking. We're going to keep on having faith in God. We're going to keep on believing in his plan. We're going to keep on sinning too, unfortunately. But God is going to rise above our sin because his plans always prevail. Amen? Amen. Amen.